Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. And if you're not yet following the show, please do so. It is free, and we would love to have you as part of our community. You can subscribe, follow the show through your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadios, etc. Or you can do it through our website at www.culinaryschoolstories.com, which is also where we store all of the podcast past episodes, including our guests' bios and contact information. So be sure to check out the website and sign up for our monthly newsletter as well. This gives you access to the episodes through our early releases before anyone else can hear them, so you get an exclusive. Now, I'd like to introduce today's guest who is joining us today from Switzerland. He is not only a culinary school graduate with an international background and an interesting culinary journey, but is also currently a chef instructor at the Caesar Ritz College, teaching the next generation of culinarians and chefs. And with that said, I would now like to introduce Chef Rando Kogad. Rando, thanks for coming here, joining us today, sharing your culinary school story. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's uh, such a pleasure to be here, and I'm absolutely delighted. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to be part of this uh, broadcast. And uh, thank you very much for that opportunity. Great, awesome. Thanks for being here. So maybe we could just start by you first telling us, you know, where you grew up and how that had an impact on your love of cooking, on your love of food. Yes, I was uh, growing up in Estonia, which is a small northern European country and a small summer capital city, Pärnu. I loved to watch my mother cooking and, and every weekend we had small, nice tradition to bake the cinnamon buns. So I grew up uh, with cinnamon buns and cold, fresh milk. So and uh, this... Uh, uh, Culinary journey started from me, from the smells of cinnamon. So uh, I always like to like to remind uh, the students also that this uh, nice uh, experiences from the childhood can guide us to the future profession. That's exactly how, what happened with me. So my culinary journey started from cinnamon buns and cold milk. Ah, great. Yeah, it's so, uh, you know, fascinating how that early years can have an impact on your culinary or your, your love of food later on, or just the reverse. It could be a con too, you know, if, it, if you didn't grow up with that, you know, in, in the family. So, wonderful. So, what did you do next? Was it like high school when you first started to work in restaurants? Or where did you, you know, start transitioning that love now into the profession that, you know, we, we know of today? Um. I was an uh, early age, I was a professional football player. So I, I was playing football 15 years and on the side I needed to study something, not uh, too serious. 
because uh, I wanted to uh, share my passion with football. So I ended up to do small courses uh, on the side, which are always related with the gastronomy. So I did, first of all, I did service school, then I did the marketing, uh, and I ended up one point in uh, Estonia, biggest catering company as project manager. And it was a very successful career for me there. And um, at the same time, I was doing the sommelier courses, so I know something about the wines. I hope that a little bit more than the average people. And uh, one point, uh, I established my own catering company, uh, Rando Kauge, uh, Catering with Passion. And I was very successful. I started... Uh, so wait a minute. You you were a f- professional football player, which we call soccer in this country, right? Yes. So, and then you had to do some studies on the side. How, what did you do? You travel all around Europe playing football? Um, not really. Even I was uh, part of Estonian under-21 uh, national team. Um, but uh, I didn't travel yet so much because most of the games these days was back in Estonia. But uh, I was traveling inside Estonia. Not too much, small country, but still. And uh, yes, a professional soccer player. <laughs> and and uh, I think that uh, it was amazing time for that respect that uh, I learned a lot of team building and being part of the team, which is very important in uh, current situation. And then why did you, you went into culinary? Because you had to take some classes or you had to do some studies uh, while you're playing the football or the soccer, and then you chose gastronomy or food or culinary? Because always in my back brain was my, my mother's cinnamon pan smell. <laughs> and same time also, I didn't never forget my lovely grandmother, who used to make always the brioche, like we know in France, like a lot of butter kind of bread. And my mother used to have cows, and, and uh, we used to take the fresh milk from the cows and fresh butter, and we made the brioche. So this culinary culinary feeling had always inside me. So and when I realized that uh, I can't play in, in Bundesliga or, or a premium liga in, let's say, in Germany or in uh, uh, England, then I needed to choose something alternative. And that's when you decided to go pursue culinary arts? Uh, not yet. Not yet. At first, I studied the service. I studied service two years. I was participating in Estonia, many competition. When I was younger, I absolutely loved to compete all the time. So everything that I studied, I was competing, uh, which doesn't work anymore these days, because <laughs> these days I'm only competing with myself. But I was quite uh, successful all the competitions. And... And then I discovered that this kind of art-related topics are very close to my heart, whether it's uh, creating the drinks, setting the tables, uh, creating the food, doing the flower arrangements. And that's all um, it started. And then, then, then I decided, yes, uh, to do the next step. And next step was to learn selling. Then I was studying selling. So that's like marketing, sales type thing? Exactly, exactly. So then I was doing selling and, and uh, again, competitions, learning to know the customer's relations, how to greet, how to treat the customers, how to be polite, how to get them eye contact, how to talk and discuss professionally. So this gave me this kind of background. And uh, next step was, yes, that uh, I was employed 
by Estonian big skating company. And uh, my customers used to love me because who I am. And uh, it was always very direct contact. So my background, what I did at school, uh, learning the communication and my passion also towards the art helped me a lot because I had a lot of female customers who absolutely loved my artistic side. So, um, and uh, they were ordering me as a project manager by name. They said that I need to take care of this project. And in one year, one and a half year, I was selling the most projects in catering company. Wow. Yeah. Well, and and you, 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 event, you eventually opened your own catering company as well, Yes, right? yes. So this was, this was a few steps uh, were in the middle. So my biggest project that I did was uh, for 1,000 people, free courses, and the other city where I arranged all the logistical uh, questions, staff, kitchens, drinks, and etc. And um, one point, uh, I saw that, that, that uh, this catering company doesn't touch me anymore. I, I saw that my time is done there. And at uh, the same time, I was uh, building up my social network in Estonia. And I was employed by Estonian finest catering company where I used to work with Estonian celebrity chef, Estonian Gordon Ramsay. Oh, really? So, and and uh, we were together, extremely good, creative team. We had many successful caterings. And even we did pop-up uh, restaurants uh, on my terrace in, in Estonia next to the seaside. And we, use, we like to create these stories around, uh, around the project, around the restaurant. So it was called always Seaside Story. So we, we created seven course dinners. People absolutely love this limited edition format. And, and uh, these days, I, this feeling of uh, becoming myself also chef became stronger. I started to contact, uh, contact having, I started to have more contact with food and then we used to host a lot of dinners at home like this and uh, this kind of pop-up restaurant format and uh, 2010 I created my own catering company and which was very successful uh, which had a very modern format meaning that uh, I didn't have my own kitchen I subcontracted everything so meaning that I was subcontracted the kitchen I had, yes, I had my kitchen with whom the, the girls with whom I used to work. I had my inventory and had my service team. So basically, for me, came the cost when the uh, customer said basically yes. So, and this format was very successful. And then I was running my Estonian catering company three years until I had this great opportunity to take the final step in culinary field and then the possibility to study the uh, I would say the world mecca of hospitality and that great opportunity to come to Switzerland. So I was uh, handpicking the school, what is the best one, looking which language background there is because I was, I'm also interested about the languages. So uh, um, I really felt that German Bart is more comfortable for me. So I started my studies in German Bart. I did my first internship in German Bart. And now I'm working and living in French part. Ah. So you transitioned from the front of the house to the back of the house, right? Because you had already started with the service and sales. Now now I'm back in front of the house. Oh. But, 
because uh, uh, between between the culinary journey and football, there was one more stage. There was that I wanted to become an actor. So uh, from the actor to the to the culinary instructor, this is only one step. So I like to be in front of the people, and I want to get the direct feedback. For me, super important to feel the students, to feel the ambience in the classroom. Uh, there is nothing better than to get direct feedback from the students to see from the smiley face that they really mean what they say. So in, in the other hand, yes, that I'm lost bad actor, but hopefully I'm very good culinary instructor. <laughs> well, they do say it's edutainment, right? It's education, but you have to entertain the students. So you're like up there yes. on the stage, you're in front of your live audience and you're putting on your show. So good. <laughs> Now, it sounds like you followed Gordon Ramsay a little bit because I think he started with football, right? He was going to be a professional football player, got hurt, became a chef, and now he's an actor, right? He's got all these TV shows. <laughs> yes, but but I, I think that I'm a little bit more friendly format of Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I think that uh, these days I, I, I really much uh, believe in uh, soft values. I believe on the communication. Yes, there needs to be rules and regulations because we're still working with uh, students. But we need to be a bit more flexible because for me, the food is emotion. And if we have bad emotion or bad ambience in the classroom, there is not coming good food, especially when we are working with bread. Bread needs so much passion, time that you're present like uh, with your brain and with your hands. So um, I think it's super important to create a friendly but respectful and safe environment. That's so true. And that even applies in the learning part of it because it, you know, closes off the brain. If someone's you know, stressed or not feeling well or upset or doesn't like the instructor, there's no learning going on because they blocked that. So you didn't have a happy environment, not only for good food, but also for that message that you're trying to get through to your students to, you know, resonate with them. Exactly. I'm completely agree. Great. So tell us about your culinary school then. So you decided to go to Switzerland to the Culinary Arts Academy. Is that where you went? And why did you pick that again? Because of the language, it was the best school. And then what was it like when you went there? Was it what you expected? Yes, it was absolutely what I was expecting. Uh, when I entered that uh, Culinary Arts Academy 2012, it was beyond my expectations that uh, uh, I must say, and I'm still absolutely uh, sure about it, that there is not yet better hospitality education that you can get in Switzerland. I'm saying it not being Swiss, so I can't exaggerate <laughs> here. So I really mean it because the, uh, for me, uh, perfectionism is absolutely about the details. So uh, um, it's not only that we have a, a super professional uh, environment for learning, but also the possibilities to go later to the uh, industry. Uh, my first uh, internship was uh, 13 GUMIO points. So these are, mm, we have in Europe, in Central Europe, we have a different point system also, and it's called GUMIO, but it's slightly below one Michelin star. And uh, so you really get drilled, and you get drilled not only in the kitchen, but you get drilled also with the languages because Switzerland uh, is four, four language speaking country. It means when, when the chef, executive chef, is writing menu, it can be easily written in four languages. So it can be combined. So, and you really, like uh, Estonian from the, uh, in the middle of the nowhere, you're coming to Switzerland, and one point you need to read the menu, which is written in uh, Swiss, German, French, 
I'm chairman and you need to understand it and you need to be able to prepare the food. So it was it was great uh, uh, opportunity. And what is also amazing in Switzerland, uh, internships are paid. So basically, uh, you get paid for a job. So it was amazing opportunity already after six months studies. I went to internship or industry for six months and uh, you grow very quickly up. Yeah. Basically, you hold the knife and six months later, you are already restaurant and uh, feeling some kind of position. Yeah. And I, I agree that the Swiss are the, you know, the, the masters of the hospitality. I worked exactly. at a Swiss hotel in Boston owned by Swiss Air and I was the banquet chef there in Boston. And it's, I worked with a lot of, you know, people from Europe, Swiss that, you know, have that indoctrination, that training and, and then this, their, their heart and their passion for hospitality is just so sincere and so true. Yeah. So the school, let's go back to that. It, was it a two year program, one year, or you'd go for six months and then six months working? How did that work? You know, so the listeners can kind of compare it to the schools they may be in now. So in Switzerland, in uh, Culinary Arts Academy, we have an amazing opportunity to get the degree in culinary arts. So basically, it means that I'm uh, studying six months, term one and term two, when I'm learning the basics. The, uh, after that, I'm going for the half an year internship. When I'm coming back, I'm becoming more familiar for European cuisine. Um, plus, we are doing our first fine dining service. And then we are already running a little bit more uh, restaurant service. So after six months internship, I'm starting still nine months at school before, bef before my second internship. So another six months in industry. And then I'm coming back for a bigger project and uh, for the like, uh, uh, academic side of uh, uh, culinary. So to become the entrepreneur. And then I'm writing my business uh, project plus running the big event and we as a students can choose the topics. So basically there is two terms, internship, three terms, internship, two terms, internship. So in total we have a seven terms and one term is 11 weeks. So that first two terms is just learning like knife skills, basic understanding of the kitchen. Then you go out and you get some experience with that. Now you come back and then you go into the advanced things, the academic classes, exactly. like the uh, the practical running the restaurant type of things. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So where do you go to work during those interns? Is that set up by the school or is that something you have to find on your own? I, I, uh, I've been always very independent. I think that again, uh, uh, it's part of this, uh, Estonia was part of Soviet, uh, Soviet times, so we were part of uh, Soviet community, so we needed to be stronger. And uh, I was uh, super happy that uh, I had an apartment in Bern, and uh, I was looking myself my internship place. So and, uh, after first internship, and my small dream was always to work in Michelin star restaurant, in Estonia, we don't have any Michelinista restaurants. So I decided in my head that I'm definitely doing my second internship in Michelinista. So uh, I arrived to the point when I went to, uh, to Switzerland, uh, sorry, to in, the, in Bern, uh, the biggest, uh, not the biggest, but the hotel, Kursal uh, Bern. And uh, I did small agreement with the kitchen director that when the uh, first three months of my internship that I'm proving that I'm working well, I'm disciplined, 
I'm uh, reaching all the expectations, then I can work three months in Michelin Star. So that's what happened. So again, when we go back to football, this is the discipline, what I got uh, to survive in this kind of hard environment. So I was super happy that um, I was able to work three months in Michelin Star restaurant. And after that, I returned for two last terms to school. And after graduating the school, now the course Albert, now the restaurant Meridiano, contacted with me that they were opening and they wanted me to work for them. Oh, great. Yeah. So when you go to the school, who are the, who are the students? Like here in the United States, anybody can go to culinary school. If you have the money and you can pay the tuition, you know, you get in, there may be some, you know, uh, SAT, you know, type of testing to get in. But maybe explain to the listeners how it works at the Culinary Arts Academy in Switzerland. How do you apply? Does everybody get accepted? Uh, what does it cost for tuition? And, and is there scholarships to help pay for that? Uh, so in, uh, in, uh, in basically the school you can find in internet. And of course, we have many representatives uh, all around the world. And uh, you can apply via, via internet, via official page. Uh, you. Uh, so their student body is is from all over the world. They take all over the world. So in uh, at our school we have a fifty five different nation. So you can imagine what a nice mixture of students we have there. And uh, being saying that, it's a great opportunity to learn from the other cultures. But uh, to get approved at school, you you need to have a English level. So you need to pass the. Certain level of English. So, so is, Eng- is English the baseline uh, language that's the, the common language that you Yes, use? so we are teaching in English, but we are able to take the extra courses, uh, language courses, German or French, but basic is English, yes. And then you need to have a passion and uh, opportunity to travel so far from your home because, like I said, we are 55 different nations, so... Uh, incredible mix of cultures so and diversity. And and now you're a, an instructor now at Caesar Ritz. How does the school that you work at now compare to the school when you were a student at Culinary Arts Academy? I'm a, I'm I'm I graduated the same school. Oh, okay. So uh, yes, when I was already studying the last term, term seven, I made one video about I made one small uh, iMovie about school and I had uh, one presentation for about 30 people and then I felt this kind of excitement in my heart that I would like to come here back and and, uh, and teach and actually I was noticed these days by a few faculty members and they were they were like asking that oh that you or they were looking that you, you might teach here but in, in this moment, I went back to industry. I went to the restaurant Meridiano, Curso uh, Albert and the hotel. And uh, I was working now in industry before. But sending same time my CV to school where I was uh, studying. So where you got your degree or your school, it was the Culinary Arts Academy of Switzerland. That is the same school as the Caesar Ritz School? Yes. We have a Caesar Ritz School, and under the Caesar Ritz School, we have a hospitality program and then the culinary program. And culinary program is under the Culinary Arts Academy. Okay, great. And how many campuses do they have, or how many schools? Uh, let me count now. <laughs> Five. 
five schools. So they're spread out throughout yes. Switzerland, or are they in other air- countries? We have well? one in German part, one is in Luzern. One is French part extension to the German part in uh, in Brieg. Then we have a two in Montreux, French part. And then we have a uh, French part where I'm teaching is in Le Bouvarin. It's the six kilometers from French border. Okay. So the students come from all over, as you already explained. They're from all different countries and nationalities. How is that when you get them all together in a kitchen? I mean, it's dynamic, right? There's a lot going on there, but I would I would guess it's positive. But is there negatives with that? Or how do you get everybody on the same page? I think that the most important uh, thing when you're entering to the kitchen, you need to take the open mind with you. Because these different cultures mean, mean different culture means that we need to make the compromises. Whether you are the student, you are the self instructor, but you need to adapt yourself. Uh, you need to make compromises, and when both sides are doing the compromises, uh, then the end result is uh, amazing creation. What you can see on the plates or on the buffet line, so. It takes time. Sometimes it might take longer time, but uh, we as a faculty members and chef instructor, of course, we need to be open-minded. Sometimes you can see that for a student, it takes a little bit longer because they are not yet experienced. They are just uh, first years out from their home and they just uh, they need to learn another culture also. Right, right. Now, do you guys have an orientation, I'm assuming, when they first come in to kind of get them on the same page? Yes, yes, but uh, but most of the time you need to solve it out yourself. When I'm talking about the student point of view, then I remember that we had this kind of ice-breaking events also internally in our small groups. We had like 10, 12 students. But but uh, one point to start to learn that you don't need to be in, in same, same page for that respect, that we all need to cut same way the Bruno has. But uh, most important is that you start to play with uh, each other's strengths because we have a different project, we have different positions, we need to create the menus, we need to do the purchase order. Then you start to see that who is stronger where and how. And uh, whether you make equal level of everything, it's better to start to use each other's strengths like in real life. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how we, we, uh, we were like melting in one pot and we were very happy that uh, we had a uh, few uh, older students, also me, so who brought this kind of experience. And then we had younger and more energetic, who just were different way uh, helpful for the team. Sure, sure. Now, is there room room there, dormitories? So if people come in, they, they also have a, they live together or they experience that as well? Yes, the school offers uh, wonderful accommodation. We have a, uh, whether you can get a single room, single room with the lake view, or a single room with the, with the forest view, or then we have a double rooms, but no bigger than double rooms. So that's how we live. Uh, yes. Great, great. Okay, I'm going to take a quick pause right now and ask you, the listener of this episode, to sign up for our newsletter and mailing list. I left a link in the description, or maybe even easier, just to go to www.chefroach.com slash contact. That's chefroach, all one word, dot com slash 
contact. Then just go to the bottom of the page and sign up for our newsletter. It's free. Then once you're signed up, you'll never miss out on our latest news, announcements, episodes, contests, course information, or exclusive deals. So go ahead, sign up so you can get all the information and more through the periodic email updates. And don't worry, you can always unsubscribe if you don't like it. The link again is www.chefroach.com contact. So go ahead, do it now. We want you to be part of our community. And if you don't do it now, you'll probably just forget by the time this episode is over. So just hit the pause button right now and take the 15 to 20 seconds to get it done and then come back and hit play. We'll wait for you, I promise. Okay, hopefully you just did it, or you've already done it in the past, or at the very least, you'll be doing it very soon. Your support of the show and the network is very important to us, and we thank you in advance. Alrighty, so now back to the show. And so you're a teach there. What is your specialty? What are you, what are you teaching? What is the classes that you teach? Yes, at the moment, I have two topics. So... Uh, Buffet and banquet preparation, uh, which is serving uh, food for 300 people. Depends how many students and faculty members we have, but it's about 300 students, where the students need to create their own menu, purchase order. They need to agree it with me. We need to look it through. And when the students are coming to the class, they're running the class as a chef of the days. So they are then managing the team, around eight students in the class. So they look who's taking care of different different tasks. This is one of the topics. And the other topic what I'm teaching is a vegetarian course. This is my, my real passion. Uh, that's we have everyday four hour sessions and we have about 44 different topics to go through. Uh, for example, we make uh, cashew cheese, uh, we make different kinds of fermentations. We make bread. Uh, we are touching a little bit the Asian cuisine. We are going to Italy. So we are uh, sometimes even traveling to Asia. So you, those are the two classes. So the first one is the banquet buffet classes. So the students put on a banquet buffet that they design for the other students. That's the 300 people and, and invited guests and faculty that come into that. Exactly, exactly. That's what they need to do. And uh, very important is to follow the uh, direct guidelines, meaning that we need to have protein, we need to have two different proteins, then we have a starch, we have vegetable, we have a soup, and then we need to have these days because of customer demand, we need to have vegetarian or vegan food. And I'm assuming this is one of the, this is the advanced class. This is after they've had their internship, they're coming back. It's not their freshman level uh, not yet actually not actually yet they have learned now the basics okay they've learned now the basics they've just came out from the knife skills oh. and now they're entering to prepare their own menu because in this case we often support them to make their own uh, cuisine a little bit meaning when the student from uh, india is coming for example we recommend to make a little bit indian direction cuisine because we are already throwing them to the cold water and they need to learn to swim very quickly. Wow. And even more, pushing them one step further, we ask them to make live station. So, for example, in live station, you can make the Mexican quesadillas, 
you can make uh, samosas, you can make uh, pop bowls, you name it, whatever you prefer to make. So it's it's another step to push the students in front of your customers. Because for me today, chef is not the dirty jacket guy in the kitchen. You need to be in front of the students. Uh, um, sorry, you need to be in front of your customers. You need to communicate with them. You need look need to look to their eyes. You need to be able to explain your food, what you're serving, answering the questions. And uh, looking my example, your, your studies can be your future job interview. So you never know who you can see, who you can meet, who's visiting our school, which country, and you can end up one day finding your job from the live station. Sure. People want to see the chef, right? They were exactly. like celebrities. They don't want to be hiding in the kitchen. So these no, no. Uh, live action stations are a great opportunity to get the students out there in front of their customer and talk and have that engagement with them. Awesome. Trust me. Uh, trust me. You can sell everything with the good communication. So we like to joke that our personal best has been to sell 18 kilograms of tofu. So <laughs> tofu is not very popular for the young audience, but, but when you make it nice, you serve it nice, uh, you make it uh, appetizing, then you can even sell the 18, kilos of, 18 kilograms of tofu. <laughs> sure. So now let's jump to the other one, the vegetarian, which is your baby, right? This is the one you, yes. you're so passionate about. And because you you are a vegetarian, right? So maybe you could talk about how you, as a chef, culinarian, have transitioned from eating animal products to now being a vegetarian. And what, what was the catalyst for that change? Yes, uh, I've been educating myself lately. Let's say last three years, I've been educating myself quite a lot about uh, plant-based diets, uh, uh, how I would like to call it. I think it sounds much more sexier than just <laughs> to say that uh, uh, vegetarian. And uh, we can't anymore ignore the climate changes, what has been caused by human population, that we are overpopulated, we are over-consuming, and uh, uh, according to my life philosophy is that if we are not learning to live together with nature, then nature just lives without us. Uh, I have three wonderful uh, nephews and nieces back in Estonia with whom I have an amazing uh, relationship. And I feel a responsibility to leave, to leave behind me a uh, uh, livable earth. I need to leave <laughs> acceptable surrounding behind. And, and uh, before I became vegetarian, I started to consume less meat. And when I was consuming the meat of fish, I always wanted to know the story behind. I don't want to eat anymore. Or when I still was eating the meat, I didn't want to eat uh, an enormous Brazilian chicken or whatever imported meat. I wanted to know the story. I wanted that it comes from the uh, region. Um, and uh, I started to notice that those days when I didn't eat any more meat, my energy flow was so much better. Wow. And educating myself, uh, looking a uh, lot of documentary, uh, document, uh, documentary movies, uh, I just got more and more confirmation. And everything seemed for me logical that uh, consuming less meat is so much more healthier. So there is a few uh, interesting examples. For example, 80% of gladiators uh, were vegetarian. Wow. 
Didn't know that. And uh, uh, let me just check, check the name. And uh, you have you have in America, United States, sorry. Uh, his name is Michael Greger. Have you heard about him? Michael Greger. How to not die? Yeah, Michael Greger. Yes. Uh, he, has a, he has a team of 200 volunteer people who are uh, not paid off. So they can do independent studies. And all these independent studies, they're so... Uh, they are so interesting because he can talk honestly about the things because any big manipulator, big corporation doesn't pay for the stories. So his broadcast in Spotify is definitely what I would recommend you hear and, and listen. And, 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 and then looking at the other documentaries, like yesterday I was looking at uh, how much the fish these days uh, uh, contains the plastic, for example. Why should I eat plastic from the ocean? <laughs> so um, I don't see those reasons, but I think that for me, this is the combo. I like to call it combo. My lovely family, my healthier tired, and my energy flow, and my smiley face makes me more happy than to consume any kind of beef, chicken, or fish. Now, how do your students take to that? Because, you know, they're probably coming from a lot of backgrounds, probably eating some of them meat a lot. And now they, you know, meet maybe you for the first time. They're introduced to this possibility of, you know, vegetarian and plant-based cuisine. Um, are they receptive to it? Do they kind of block it? How does that go? It's amazing that the uh, younger generation is already more educated. They have a few good role models in the world. If you take the Greta from Sweden, so uh, climate activist, uh, we, can't, uh, we can't underestimate the younger generation. So they come already much smarter mm -hmm. than we expect them to come. And uh, me being as a vegetarian, I take this uh, information with me to buffet and banquet preparation class because I kind of demand or I force them to create these kind of dishes because I'm not the only vegetarian at school. There is many more and there are even more uh, special diets. So we need to create these kind of dishes. Mm -hmm. But if we talk about vegetarian course, then uh, most of our students are vegetarians or even vegans. So we already have them around and we just need to please our customers. So uh, that's how it works in real industry trick is really to make it tasty right it has to be delicious and then people could care less right as long as it tastes good and it fills them up it tastes good i would always would say that tastes good is the second position the first position for me is it needs to look good it needs to look good and when there is one nice clean chef behind the station and explaining you what's going on there then you can uh, sell it easily and of course taste needs to be good but uh, we can take the world-famous yakitori sauce and put it to the Brussels sprout, and it's amazing. Mm, definitely. So, okay, so now you're teaching. you got these two classes. What do you like about teaching? What, what gets you up in the morning? What inspires you? What is, what is it about teaching that, that drives you? I love teaching. Uh, I, I, I really love it, and I feel that this is my true passion. And if I look a few steps back, uh, actually, my, my, my family... My mother is doing the same work, but with the kids, with the younger kids. So oh. I, I understand that I inherited uh, from my mother. But for me, I just need human, human communication. I just need this interactive discussions. Uh, 
Uh, I like to please the people. I think that uh, my character suits very well in the hospitality business. So, and it drives me to make the people happy. And like I said, that when we are serving the 300 people for lunch or for dinner, I really like to see those happy faces. And uh, and uh, to be part of the student culinary journey when they start with us and see later how they're growing, it, these moments are very emotional. And uh, of course, later when you get feedback years after or even months later, there is no better feeling when you receive one email or one SMS that, that uh, you're very inspirational or, or, or your colorful personality has guided me through my challenges. So, so for me, it's just uh, this interaction with students, passion towards the food, and not only that I'm teaching them, I like to learn from the students. I never can't create so good Tom Kakai soup like uh, students from Thailand because they were born with coconut milk in their one hand and tangalangal on the other hand. <laughs> so for me, I'm learning from them also sometimes and, and I like to grow together with my students. Yeah, so true. I mean, as a teacher, we're in there every day changing lives, right? We're making an impact and when it comes back, you know, years later and, you know, just really... I received last uh, last uh, term, I received one and a half uh, page long feedback. I needed to stop three times because I was just crying. Really? Yes. From the past student. Yes. The mostly, but the feedback, what I mostly get is about my personality. And uh, why I say about the personality, because I'm so honest towards myself. And even we want to underestimate sometimes the students, they see you through. You need to be honest. You need to be yourself. And they really like the students like when you're yourself. Yeah. They can see that sincerity. It comes right. They can see it and they can feel it. So you can't fake them even you would like. (laughs) You would want to do it. But even if you would do it, they would see you through. Yeah. So you say you need that student interaction, that feedback that you get from them. How has that changed since you've done some of your teaching remote or you, that's happening in the world right now because of pandemic. A lot of schools are, had to transition to that Zoom teaching. Uh, has that changed? Have you seen anything with that? Anything you could speak to? Uh, yes, uh, our theory classes are now uh, in Zoom. So we need to teach the students in Zoom. And of course, it's challenging. It's uh, difficult to keep the students focused. It's difficult to feel them uh, engaged. Um, but already been doing it six months. I find my own tricks how to keep them uh, on the hook. So I'm I'm asking a lot of questions. Uh, I'm motivating already the uh, beginning of the class, and I have a new uh, term even even pick up the motivation points. So if you're answering the questions, if you do your mini homeworks up to the needed standards. Uh, I relate them a little bit with the uh, attitude grade. So I try to keep them hooked. So our theory classes are in uh, Zoom. Yes, a uh, little bit difficult to talk with camera only. So because I'm missing with this uh, human interactions, uh, some other uh, small discussions, what normally happens in the classroom. But uh, I think that it's good time to discover other opportunities. So we need to learn and uh, most likely we come out uh, stronger when you have this kind of skills. Mm-hmm. But our practical classes are still in the small groups in the classrooms. 
we try to respect the not we try to we respect the rules to meet the rules mm-hmm. uh, we are wearing already six months everybody masks so i've been teaching last six months only with masks my students are wearing the masks so like this we can only keep the covid away from our classrooms yeah that zoom or that remote teaching is definitely different it's not necessarily worse because some people have figured out how to do that and you can reach so many more people from all around the world they don't have to be place-based but it is different and as you mentioned you have to come up with new tips and you know techniques to make the learning and make that connection happen with the students yes that's that's what it is exactly okay so now as a chef you know you're the leader of the class and what is some of your favorite dishes what do you like and what do you dislike for dishes what do, what do you look for that inspires you from a food point of view yes for me the most important thing that we are already always think about local seasonable and fresh so like uh, in europe at the moment we have a kind of root vegetable sending season so last menus i was using a lot of root vegetables for example uh beetroot, now is coming asparagus. So for me, it's very important that we're always in season. And uh, we never can't hide with the spices and herbs, the original flavor of uh, ingredients. So uh, for me, there is nothing better than one good tomato with a slightly confit, with a little bit salt, pepper, basil. And if you want to put a little bit garlic, but then the ingredient or then the tomato already communicates with us. Um, for me, there is no really bad ingredients. I think that we need to respect the food. I think that we need to use from nose to tail with the food, whether it's uh, meat. And I'm literally thinking that from nose to tail. So I'm teaching also my students to use the cheeks, the ears, the tongues. Mm. And also from the vegetables, let's don't throw anything away. Let's make one now wonderful uh, vegetable stock and great soup with this one. So for me, yes, I have my personal likes, but uh, but uh, again, I'm coming back to the you know school environment, and in this case, I want to give it to the person, uh, to the people, uh, and receive back the feedback. So I rather want to please the students. And how I please the students, I look the cultural background. I know how many, which kind of students we have. And I know how to touch the taste palate. But for my students with whom I'm preparing the food, local, seasonable, fresh. Excellent. Good. So as you mentioned, you get these letters, you get feedback from your students. You're definitely an inspiration to your students and your classes. So let me ask, who was an inspiration to you as you were coming up through the ranks, maybe personally, professionally in your career? Can you name one, two, three people that you want to give a shout out to that inspired you or had an impact on you? Uh, it's, uh, it's a bit emotional, I think. Um, when I grew up, I didn't have very much confidence, and uh, I was uh, I was not I was not myself. So, uh, uh, age twenty two, I met my my current partner, my current boyfriend, and he saw the potential in me, and uh, it was amazing how he saw my strengths. So, uh, I can be end of my days thankful and grateful for him because he was pushing me through my life. 
And uh, I have never, and I would have never achieved this goal without him. Mm. So uh, he saw this potential, what was hidden somewhere inside me. So I, I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for this. Uh, I'm very grateful for Piana in this moment when he saw me as a young potential uh, future leader, let's say like this, in culinary field. And uh, I'm, I'm amazingly grateful for that. And, and uh, I think that uh, you need to be lucky. You need to have your strengths. You need to meet the right people. And yes, I was happy that I met this right person who was next to me 12 years and uh, supported and believed in me. Excellent. Yeah. So you're from Estonia. People listening probably don't know anything about Estonia. So maybe you could tell us about what is the, what is the cuisine there? What is, what is the, the, your foundation of your country? Yes, first of all, I would like to uh, ask back the question for the people who doesn't know where is Estonia, that you know Skype. And if you know Skype, then you know that it's related with Silicon Valley. So it means that Estonia is Skype. Estonia is the country of IT solutions. We are extremely successful in IT fields. If you take, for example, big companies like uh, Bolt, uh, it's the car sharing uh, app. Then we have a TransferWise, uh, which is money transferring. So we who's replacing these days modern banks. Wow. And then we have Skype, which are all the unicorns. So Estonia is a very IT-based country. But when we talk about uh, Estonian cuisine, then I must say that Estonian cuisine is same interesting like Estonian people outlook. We are a combination of the Russians, Swedes, Danes, and Germans. So because it's our history. That's, uh, Estonia has been only 30 years independent. But um, so we have uh, inheritance from, from, uh, from German cuisine. We have a lot of sauerkraut. Potatoes is on our cuisine. Then we have a lot of pork, what you can find in uh, Russian cuisine. Estonians are going a lot of to the forest. We have a lot of forest. We have a lot of mushrooms, cantarels, uh, for example. Um, we have a lot of water, so we eat very much fish. And uh, Estonians are very adventurous with the food, so we like to experiment a lot of things. And uh, Estonian, in, Estonian good, uh, in Estonian food, we have a very important bread. So we are eating the dark bread, rye bread. Okay. And uh, yes, these days, the Estonia is very often high positions in Poku store competition. So we are really coming on the map of the world cuisine because Estonians are very heavy workers. Great. Is that is going back there in your future? I mean, where do you see yourself in five years, ten years? I mean, you're going to continue to teach? Do you think you may go back to Estonia? I mean, what, what is your plans? Yes, when you were asking from me that who I would like to thank, and I, I was saying that I want to thank Bjarne, who was with me beginning of my culinary journey. And I've always feeling inside me that I would like to give something back to the society also. So I would really love to go back. I would like to give lectures or speeches or workshops at school. I would like to inspire future generation to, to dream big, to dream big, to set the goals, to be yourself and just uh, go for it. So 
I would really like to touch the future generation because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing at the moment without this person in my life. And I definitely would like to help also the older generation because in Estonia, we have a lot of foresting, like I was mentioning, and a lot of berries, apples, you name it. Uh, but people don't know how to market it. The Estonian pension or pension is quite low. So I would like to help those lovely grandmothers and grandfathers to put their delicious century-old recipes in the jar and help them to market it. Uh, market it. I really see that we are going back to the roots. We are going back to the basic cooking methods. We are going back to the local products. We need to treat them respectfully. And I think that uh, we are moving away from all this molecular gastronomy because there is not enough studies that uh, what can say that uh, this kind of way of eating is healthy. Mm. So I want to go uh, and give back uh, something from the society after after uh, learning myself here in Switzerland. But it doesn't happen before 10 years, probably. <laughs> well, how can someone reach you? I mean, there's a big thing on this show seems to be mentor, mentorships, and people offering that. But if someone wanted to get in touch with you to invite you back to Estonia or some other place to be a guest speaker or to talk to one of their classrooms or for whatever reason... Is there some way, social media, somehow that people could follow you, your journey, that they could contact you or reach out? Yes, and uh, I have had already great opportunities. I have had already two other interviews. So my social media looks exactly like me. Uh, I hope colorful, interesting, <laughs> and uh, honest. So uh, there might be even possibilities to participate uh, in the future in the Baltic States. Uh, already part of some uh, interesting uh, journeys, culinary journeys. And uh, yes, the social media, especially the LinkedIn, is my professional platform uh, where I want to share my culinary journeys. And uh, I'm more than happy to be part of any kind of workshops or uh, conferences, you name it. And uh, in Switzerland, uh, already Estonian community contacted with me and we might have some interesting projects in the future so what i'll do is i'll get those links from you and i'll put them in the show notes and in, your, in part of your bio so if anyone is listening to this right now and wants to reach out or wants to be able to follow you or look at your information on linkedin or anything i'll have all of those links to to connect yeah so as we come to the end of our chat today and you know before we close is there any last-minute advice or guidance that you want to share with the listeners? Maybe there's someone out there that's thinking about going into this industry or going to get ready to go to culinary school or thinking about enrolling or just anything in general that you would like to share with the listeners? Yes, I would uh, definitely. First of all, you need to look inside yourself. And if it's really your passion... You need to take this way. And, and uh, culinary way is very interesting because you can uh, develop from the line cook to the restaurant owner or even something bigger. So I would definitely recommend to choose the school very carefully. Um, if you want to be more hands-in or to become the entrepreneur or find that this kind of nice balance between. And according to that, uh, to choose the very well like i said that's uh, 
Culinary Arts Academy Switzerland offers also the degree. So we are also uh, studying how to be entrepreneurs. So if you like this kind of direction, take this this kind of uh, way. And if you want to be more hands-in, maybe shorter programs, more in industry, but same time you need to make basics very clear for you. Um, I don't believe that you can cheat yourself, meaning that if culinary is your passion, go for it. It's no point to go for it after 20, 25 years of doing the work, what you didn't like or enjoy. So thinking about your culinary school experience and now as a teacher, um, I'm guessing you think it's worth it, right? Your return on investment and the time put in there and all the homework and money and everything in the long run, you believe it's worth it. Yes, I have been never more happier doing my my work like at the moment. Um, it's not only that about the teaching, but it's also this kind of maturity what comes through your studies and working in industry. And I always want to remind you that your your studies can be your future job interview. So I, I really want to inspire the future leaders to step out every day from your comfort zone, be a little bit more extra, a little bit more touching the limits. And uh, you can easily see how you end up later in the big company and doing the job that I love. So uh, yes, uh, I think that that uh, good education is the base of the good and uh, great career. Great. Excellent. Well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. And I want to first thank you, Randall, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. We really appreciate your time and your insight and your honesty. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Colin. It was an absolute pleasure to chat with you and, and you, uh, Felt me to feel very comfortable and and uh, showing your interest towards the culinary field in uh, Switzerland. Right. Well, thanks a lot. Bye bye now. Stay safe. Bye bye. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you, and that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School Story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.